You know, sometimes we think about Christmas. You know, it, it's nearly a too familiar story, but it's an amazing story. And it's good to rediscover it because it makes all the difference. We come to think about uh, the birth of this child, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so my thoughts this morning were, it is Christmas. And of course we are very familiar with the Christmas story. And we can think about all the characters that you know, play their part in that, you know, from the, sh the shepherds, you know, to the wise men, to, um, to Anna, uh, to Simeon, um, the innkeeper, Herod, and even Caesar Augustus all had their part to play. But um, this morning I just want to think about um, the three central characters. You know, when we think about Christmas and what it's all about, and we're, we're going to agree here this morning that Christmas is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's the clues in the name, you know, Christ, Mass, it's a celebration of Christ. Um, well, it's about other things too, it's about family, isn't it? You know, it's good to come together and just to share together. Um, I mean, people haven't seen for a time. It can be a sad time as well, as we remember maybe those who aren't with us, you know. And this speech church has its own experience of that, you know. But even remember those folk, it's good to remember that, you know, where they are now, present with the Lord. Isn't that such a comfort this morning? Such a blessing. So I just want to think about this sweet family, um, Joseph and Mary, and of course the child, the Lord Jesus Christ, and just what we can learn from them this morning. And as I thought about it uh, through the week, you know, there was one word that came to me in respect uh, of this wee family. And it was obedience. Obedience. Dictionary says this means compliance with an order, a request or law, or submission <coughs> to another's authority. In a simple Christian understanding, obedience is hearing the word of God and acting on it. It implies Aligning our will to God's will. Doing what God has asked us to do. It is when we completely surrender to his authority and base our decisions and our actions on his word. Um, if you're like me, you'll say, well, that's easier said than done. And I wish I could just absolutely apply that to my life and be obedient. But of course, we all have a nature that tends to pull in the opposite direction and we make mistakes. We all do, the speaker especially. So just want to think just about, first of all, Joseph. Joseph. Now, Joseph is mentioned 14 times uh, in the Bible. Um, all of those times they're in the Gospels. So what part did Joseph play? Well, um, the Gospel of Matthew, we read about the, the genealogy, gene, genealogy, I should say, of Christ. And 
we learn from this um, about the 14 generations from Abraham through to King David, and then from King David through to the carrying away to Babylon, another 14 generations, and another 14 generations from the carrying away to Babylon until the birth of Christ. And of course, Joseph is part of that. You know, it's not many people could say, and I wonder did he even know himself that his great, 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 whatever it was, was King David. And then there was Solomon. You know, that's quite a wonder, did he, you know, you think, if he knew that, you know, did he, you know, did he dine out on that fact, you know? Or did he maybe didn't say too much about it because the tax collectors might say, well, you know, royal, royal heritage there, you know, stick a couple of extra denarii on his uh, tax bill, you know? But this was all part of God's plan. It had to be the way it had to be. Because the Gospel of Matthew, it, in essence, is verifying confirming that Jesus was who he said he was to the Jewish nation. So, we know that Joseph was engaged to um, a young maiden called Mary. But it turned out that there was a problem because as this happened then, Joseph learns that oh, Mary is with child. And this is a problem for Joseph because, well, you know, Joseph's asking the question, well, how did that happen? You know, and it wasn't a goofy sort of learning that you're going to be a daddy. How did that happen? It was, well, seriously, how did that happen? Because Joseph knew it wasn't really anything to do with him. But the scripture says to us then that um, Matthew chapter 1 verse 19 says that the Lord came to Joseph. Uh, in a dream it says in verse 19 it says that he was a just man and he didn't want he obviously loved Mary very much and he did not want to make her a public example he was minded uh, to put her away secretly but in verse 20 he says when he thought on these things the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So what did Joseph do? Being a just man. Um, being a man of faith, I would say. He did what God asked him to do. Very simply, he did what God asked him to do. And we can see that, that he was a man who listened to God. Because twice more, um, God appears to him after the birth of the Lord Jesus. Um, he's told you know, to take Mary and the child and take them into uh, Egypt because of what was about um, to happen in respect of Herod, him searching um, for the Christ child to put him to death. And then again, um, when in Egypt, he's told, right, it's okay to come back again. And every time, every time, Joseph does what God asked him to faithful, living out his faith, living out his trust uh, in the Lord, you know, simply something that we all should be doing, you know, not questioning, just doing what God has asked us to do. We see in Luke um, chapter 2, um, verses 21 to 24, he's also faithful in respect 
um, of the law. Because when the time came, uh, after eight days, it was time for um, the young child uh, to be circumcised. And it says there, and when eight days were completed uh, for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, it was according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Um, as it is written, in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that, uh, what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And that was probably the least of the offerings that could have been offered, you know. But it showed the stature of, um, and his place in society, if you like, for Joseph, you know, that he offered, you know, within his means, and he was faithful uh, in doing that. And what else do we learn of Joseph? Well, he was a carpenter. He was a carpenter, and he lived in Nazareth. In fact, over in... Uh, Matthew chapter 13, although this doesn't mention uh, Joseph by name, there was a time when the Lord had started his ministry and he was teaching uh, in the locality, in the synagogue. And of course, the people were astonished at this. Um, and they were saying, this was their response to Jesus at that time. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James, Joses, or Simon and Judas, and his sisters, are they not with us, all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So we learn then that Joseph is a carpenter. And a summary, you know, just an ordinary. Two before. See what I did there, George? It was just for you. Four by two. Four by two? <laughs> Got the right way around. Two before American. Two before American, right, okay. You know, but because uh, of his faith, this ordinary man was able to be used of God in an extra ordinary way just because of his faith. He was obedient, and in doing so, prophecies were fulfilled. He was obedient to the law. He was obedient to God. Now then, what about Mary? What about Mary? Well, I just want to turn to um, the Gospel of Luke for the first part um, of Mary's story. Now, first chapter of Luke largely deals with um, the um, Elizabeth uh, and Zachariah. And of course, Elizabeth becoming uh, pregnant with a child um, in her old age. And she was Mary's cousin. But then this happens if we just uh, look at verse uh, 26 of chapter 1. It says... Now, in the sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel 
was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, as we've already thought about. Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and considered what manner of greeting was this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Then Mary said, or sorry, the angel answered, And said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And Gabriel relates that what is happening with Elizabeth, and then off Mary goes to visit her cousin uh, in the high country. to tell her the news. Of course, we remember the story whenever um, Mary shares this news um, with uh, Elizabeth. Um, The baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps with joy. So Gabriel has said um, of Mary in verse 28, Blessed are you among women. Elizabeth's response in verse 42 says, Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your your womb. And then Mary reflects herself on these things. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is, is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, He has scattered the pride in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers Abraham and to his seed forever. So these are just reflections of this sweet girl, Mary. 
she can hardly have been probably much more uh, than a young teenager herself. But as she speaks these words, you know, tells us, here's a wee girl of faith who knew about God, who knew how God was to bless Israel. And perhaps even the knowledge of the fact of the, um, of the prophecy in Isaiah 7.14. Probably a lot of the wee girls in around that time were all aware of this. But Mary kept herself obedient to what was expected of her in the law. And indeed, she's called upon, she's noted there for being blessed amongst women. Now we know the traditions within Christianity have maybe elevated Mary to above, perhaps, where she should be. Yes, she was blessed among women. Yes, as the scripture tells us here, she was a virgin. Is that important? Yes, it is important. Because if these things hadn't been, then really the whole thing falls apart. The fact, you know, that she was a virgin and the fact um, that she was visited in this way by God, um, it's every bit as important in the story of our salvation as Christ going to the cross and there laying down his life because it would have all come apart if these things hadn't been as they should be and as was prophesied and as was, as we've learned from reading these words. You know, the elevation that's been given to her is that she somehow has influence over God because she can be referred to as the mother of God because of giving birth to the Lord Jesus. And you can see how that conclusion has arrived at to an extent. Sometimes it is put out there, well, you know, who do children run to whenever their father is angry? Well, their mother. Isn't that right? Okay. Well, you're never angry anyway. But, but that influence isn't really there. When scripture refers to um, Mary in the same uh, sentence, if you like, as the Lord Jesus, it always comes first in scripture. It's the child and his mother. But let's not, that's sort of an aside because she was indeed and is indeed blessed among women. This is never happening again, folks. The Son of God is not going to be born again. He's coming back again, but he's not going to be born again. And Mary had a very special part to play. She even refers there in her comments, you know, she refers to God my Savior. That just tells me she's just like the rest of us, just a sinner, but yet God again has taken this ordinary wee girl and done something extraordinary with her because she was faithful and because when she heard what the angel had to say to her, so be it, I'll do that, okay? Just being obedient to God. Now, moving on then, we'll come to the child. Last but very, very not least, he's the whole reason why we're here this morning. We've been able to remember his death. And at this time of year, it's a privilege to come and to remember his birth. The very fact has been prophesied that he would come 
be born of a virgin, and all these wonderful names that you know Isaiah told us about, you know, wonderful, mighty God, Prince of Peace. This was Jesus. Isaiah seven fourteen talks about Emmanuel, God, with us. Matthew one twenty one. He shall save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means. And then Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, which I'll just turn to and read. And again, it's very familiar to us. But this, or these were, if you like, the child's credentials, his purpose. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So this was this little child, the Lord Jesus, who would grow, of course, we know, to be a man. And we think about obedience, we think about, and this is the Son of God we're talking about, who left the splendors of heaven. And you think, naturally, it should be, well, there should have been, Herod should have been out there saying, right, we're having a week's holiday this week because... Jesus is born. The King of Kings has been born here. This we're going to celebrate. The King of the Jews. They were going to celebrate this, but of course it wasn't like that. And we fall back into the familiar story about the journey uh, to Bethlehem, the Lord's birth. No room at the inn. Laid in a manger, visited by shepherds of all people. You know, at least God's proclamation with the angels. Well, nobody ever had that. That was amazing. But everything else was very very ordinary very ordinary but Jesus came and he says plenty of times in scriptures that he doesn't come to do or say or his own words he had came to do his father's will if you turn with me to the gospel of John um, and chapter 6 Again, this is familiar uh, words to us. This is Jesus talking. Uh, he's talking about being the bread of life. This is what he says, verse 35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, but I said to you, that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, 
and should raise, raise, up, raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So here we see Jesus telling us what his purpose is, to do his Father's will, to redeem us, sinful mankind, unto himself. If we have put our trust in him, that he will raise us up in the last days. Isn't that wonderful? <coughs> Philippians 2 and 8 says this of the Lord. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hebrews tells us about um, his example in chapter 12, which I'll just turn to. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down, at the right hand of God. The Lord Jesus became obedient, even unto death. He came to do his Father's will. He came to serve, not to be served. Even as we think back to the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26, And listen to these words of the Savior. It says, Then Jesus came with them, verse 36, to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and he prayed saying, listen to these words, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Let thy will be done. Goes on to say that he came back to the disciples and found them sleeping. A couple of times that happened. But even at this hour, when he knew what was ahead of him, he said, not my will, but thine be done. The prophecies were fulfilled, and Jesus was obedient to his Father's will. Amazing. Amazing that we can come all these years later and celebrate this family who were all obedient, you know. Sometimes the thing with, with leadership, you know, we'll say, well, can't be expecting me to go and do this because 
You know, the person we're supposed to be following doesn't do it. But the Lord did it. He was obedient. He was faithful. He, yet without sin, and yet laid down his life to redeem us unto himself. So what about the Lord's invite to us? Where we come into all this? Well, I was just reading in the Gospel of John again, if we turn to this. And again, familiar words. Jesus is speaking. He says in, verse, in chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Listen, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. For sake of time, we'll leave it there in that, those wee verses. But the message is clear from Jesus. Abide in me. That's what he wants for us to do. And to follow his word, which we have in our hands here this morning. Amazing. Now, I mentioned the disciples who were sleeping in the garden there. I mentioned the fact that, you know, the Lord's not going to be born again of a virgin. That's happened. That's not going to happen again. But he is coming back again. <coughs> and there's a big challenge to us there, isn't it? Not to be like the disciples and to be sleeping when he comes back. This is exciting. The Lord is coming back. We should be really, really excited about this. You know, and we should be looking to share this good news with the rest of the world. That wee video um, we showed earlier, um, it was, it's about hope. You know, the world says, well, if it didn't have many things, if it didn't have money, if it didn't have oil, what state would the world be in? If you can imagine a world without hope, where would we be? And we have this hope. We have this hope in our hearts. Because simply we've come and said yes to the Lord Jesus. Ordinary people with whom God can do extraordinary things. Don't believe me? The very fact I'm standing here this morning speaking to you, knowing what I'm like, just an ordinary 4 by 2 George, full of knots, full of sin. And yet, the Lord can use me in doing something like this. That's extraordinary. That's who Jesus is. He is truly, truly amazing. I'll finish on this here. This was a response of one of his disciples. When he was told by one of his friends about Jesus. He said, this is Nathaniel, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Listen to Philip's response. Come and see.
And that's the invitation for us all this morning, especially if you haven't put your trust in Jesus as your Savior yet. You know, come and see. Come and see for yourself what a wonderful Savior that he is. Thank you for your patience and thank you for being here this morning. May Again, may the Lord bless you all and have a blessed Christmas, I pray. I'll just pray here and then I'll hand back over the idea. Okay. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, thank you that, Father, we've reflected on, on Joseph and, and Mary, two ordinary people who simply had faith and put their trust in you, and you did something amazing with them. As we've remembered uh, this season, the birth of your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we've been thinking about you, Lord, as well, and how you have led a perfect life, Lord, but yet an example, Lord, one who put others first, one who did his Father's will, one who loved, one who uh, knew the law inside out, fulfilled the law perfectly, and, Lord, was obedient, as we've read, even to the death on the cross, to redeem the likes of me, the likes of all of us here, and a sinful world unto thyself. Lord, thank you so much for dying for us, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, we've been reminded as well this morning that you are seated at your Father's right hand, even now interceding for us. Thank you so much, Lord, for who you are and what you are to us. And Lord, we pray, Father, especially, if there is those who have grown cold in the faith, or if those who have yet not put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus, that, Lord, that they can rediscover this Christmas story, or they can reflect on your words, Lord, this morning, and just receive the Lord Jesus as their Saviour this very Christmas. For we ask all of these things in Jesus, our Saviour's name. Amen. Next time.